You're listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. Today's message is from the series, The Compelling Community. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have any questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. So we've been going through this message series called The Compelling Community. In week one, Matt touched on the idea that there are gospel plus communities and there are gospel revealing communities, right? These gospel plus communities, not that they're necessarily bad in and of themselves, but at the same time, it's the gospel plus something. It's the gospel and the fact that uh, we tend to gravitate towards people that are in a similar season of life as us, but we made the distinction between gospel plus communities and gospel revealing communities in that when it's plus something, these tend to be environments that would exist even if the church did not. And so what we're after here is essentially being a gospel-revealing community to where everything about us reveals the good and the glorious gospel of how Jesus Christ has changed us by his substitutionary death, his burial, and his bodily resurrection. And that is something that unites us. That is something that draws us in as a community week in and week out. We say every week that it's not by accident that we're sitting in the seats that we're sitting because we believe that God has orchestrated this in such a way because he can be that. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He saw us sitting in the seats that we're in before it even occurred. He knew that I would sustain an injury that would leave me seated up on this platform this morning because he's capable of doing that. And so, There is something peculiar about the gathered local church week after week. There is something that is different about this environment that is different from every other environment that we are a part of on a weekly basis. In week two, we talked about biblical community and that it's the power for evangelism and the process for discipleship, the process for us to become fully developing followers of Jesus. From the time of our conversion to the time where we close our eyes in death or Jesus returns himself. And last week we talked about a broad community. And it's our shared shift in identity that fuels gospel diversity. We are new creations in Christ. We are adopted as children of God through Christ. And we are united with Christ. So I want to ask you to go ahead and either turn or click to the book of Romans chapter 12, and we're going to go quickly through verses 9 and 13 to kind of set up what we are going to be discussing through the duration of our time this morning. But we, we approach the practical section of the book of Romans, right? Paul is essentially communicating to that early Roman church, how does this stuff actually play itself out? How does brotherly and sisterly affection play itself out as the church. And in verse 9, he says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 
Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And so when Paul is pinning these words, we have to understand in the first century, that is not necessarily a good time for Christians to be existing. There was not a lot of uh, joyful things for them to experience on the surface. And so Paul is recommending to them, your source, your source of joy and your source of strength have to be drawn from a different place, and that is your identity in Christ, and that when we come together, we are in the very presence of God, and He has demonstrated His loving kindness towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ still died for us. And so there's something unique about that. There's something different about that. There's something different about the way you and I, and as brothers and sisters in Christ, treat one another. In other words, I, I look out here and, like, obviously, I, I need my wife. Like, we are in a marital relationship together, but at the same time, we are both Jesus-loving Christ followers, and we pray every single day that our kids would come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. Every morning before I drop them off at Midway, we gather in my truck and we pray that they would be respectful of their teachers, that they would be kind to their friends, and that they would be begin to realize that uh, these seeds that are being sown in their little hearts would bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. And that, that's what we do. But I obviously, I, I need my wife, but like I need Andrea and Kermit Carmen, and, and I need Lori Southern, and I need Dan and Elena Smith, and I need James Richards, as goofy as he is. I need this community of believers because God has drawn us into this place on a weekly basis to remember the intricacies of the gospel because it's changing our lives week in and week out. And it's transforming us into the likeness of Jesus from one degree of glory to the next. As Paul, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, there's this guy, his name's Patrick McGinnis, and he is a very successful venture capitalist. And he, he hosts a very uh, popular podcast. But back in 2003, Patrick McGinnis was a student at the Harvard School of Business, and he is responsible for coining the acronym FOMO. And I know a lot of us are familiar with FOMO, and we understand exactly what that means. But for those of you who might not, FOMO is simply the fear of missing out, right? We get into certain situations, or we might come up on a conversation that a couple of our friends are having, and we're instantly like, well, what are you talking about? I want to be a part of that. I don't want to miss out on that. And this plays itself out in different scenarios, right? Like right now, Julie is planning a ladies' trip to New Zealand, and um, there are certain things that kind of she doesn't want to miss out on when she goes overseas and takes this group of ladies with her who it's their very first time in New Zealand. My wife's parents were missionaries in New Zealand. She's very familiar with the area, and she wants this to be a positive experience for the ladies that are going to be attending with her. But she doesn't want to miss out on anything. Uh, something else, 
uh, I, I call it menu anxiety. Does anybody have that as well? You go to a particular restaurant and there are so many options on the menu that you just become paralyzed. You're like, I don't know what to pick at all. I'll just eat something when I get home. I'll just have some tea, half sweet, half unsweet, all that. Uh, That's the idea of FOMO, but something a little bit less popular, Patrick McGinnis also coined a couple of additional acronyms in those, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but there's FOMO, there's FOBO, and there's FODA. So what we're talking about here when we're talking about FOBO, it's the fear of a better option. And it's the insidious twin of FOMO. It keeps you from committing to any choice in case another more optimal opportunity comes along. Thus, you find yourself stretching out the decision-making processes for decisions both big or small for as long as possible. Well, what if there's a better option that comes along? I better keep my options open. I can't go out to dinner with this friend because I kind of like this friend more and I hope maybe that they invite me out to dinner or something like that. Uh, Every person in this room is a sinner, so we all think things like that from time to time, right? Okay, I'm not the only one. You can't look at me like I'm the bad person here, okay? And so that's, that's how we process things, right? There's the fear of missing out. There's the fear of better options. But interestingly, he also coined FODA, which is the fear of doing anything. Like we get so wrapped up in the FOMO and the FOBO of it all, which again, I know sounds completely ridiculous, that that results in the fear of absolutely doing anything. We shut down. And so I want us to consider this quote from Tom Rainer. He says, if outside forces and culture were the reasons behind declining and non-influential churches, we would likely have no churches today. The greatest periods of growth, particularly the first century growth, took place in adversarial cultures. We are not hindered by external forces. We are hindered by our own lack of commitment and selflessness. That's very interesting, right? Because we all get to that point where we just become paralyzed and there is this lack of commitment, especially when it comes to the things of the church at times. So what is a compelling community? A compelling community is one that reveals the gospel of Jesus Christ to a watching world and draws in the lost. But it's a community that's necessarily rooted in deep commitment. It's necessarily rooted in deep commitment. And with regard to the Christian and the local church, the Bible assumes three different types of commitment that we're going to focus our attention on this morning. One of them is calling-based commitment. This is opposed to comfort-based commitment. You and I have this tendency to go into whatever environment that we're going into, and our primary objective is to feel comfortable and to feel like we're getting something out of the experience. Be it a movie theater, be it a restaurant, whatever the case may be, Disney World, all of these things. 
we are looking for experiences and we are looking for our needs to be met. May I submit to you this morning that the church isn't about you getting your needs met. It never has been and it never will be. And so, in the book of 1 Peter, in chapter 2, verses 4 through 5 and then 9, the apostle Peter says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have come to the place in your life where you believe in his sinless life, his substitutionary death, for your rebellion and for my rebellion, his burial, his bodily resurrection, his ascension, and his ultimate return. If you believe in that, and if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and are saved, like, you are a living stone that is being used to construct a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And that requires deep commitment. It requires that we be be first and foremost committed to one another. And we're going to address some of those things as we move forward. Consider this quote by Stanley Grins from his book, Created for Community. Joining a local expression of Christ's church is the final initiatory step into the Christian life. It is the completion of our initial response to the call of the gospel, and this response involves personal repentance and faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. It is publicly expressed in water baptism, and it culminates in church membership. So there's repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, There is a public expression of that through baptism, which we have a baptism service scheduled at the end of February. We have a number of you that have already expressed interest in that and we'll be in contact with you. But maybe if you've never followed in that act of obedience, this is your time to do that, to come forward and say, you know what? I've never publicly professed my faith in Christ in front of a believing community, and I realize that that is a step of obedience that I need to take. Maybe that's for you, and it culminates in church membership, exactly what we were referring to this morning, this idea of church membership being deep community. Upon your salvation, you're not just joined to Christ. You are also joined to his church. And a redemptive call to Christ is simultaneously a call into the local church. You simply do not get one without the other. And so that's, that's what calling-based commitment is. This idea of, no, we're not going to settle for comfort-based commitment. We're not going to allow 
um, that to be the primary objective. No, we understand that there is a calling on our part to be actively engaged members of a local church, and that's a calling-based commitment that we see, especially in First Peter, which we just read. But then there's also significant commitment. This idea of one anothering, as we've often heard it called, there are over fifty instances where one anothering is mentioned in the New Testament. Listen to this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In a Christian community or a church, everything depends upon whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. A community which allows unemployed, which he's referring to non-engaged or non-serving, members to exist within it will perish because of them. Once a person has experienced the mercy of God in their life, they will henceforth aspire only to serve. And so that's a question we need to constantly ask ourselves. If I've experienced the mercy that God has given me, what about my life isn't consistent with the idea that my life is marked necessarily now and for the remainder of my existence as one who serves, as one who gives him or herself away? And so, man, I, I realize that these are hard questions, but we, we live in such a highly individualistic and self-centered culture that we often forget these things from week to week. And unfortunately, and, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this just as much as the next person, we kind of come into these types of worship environments with that same mentality at times. Forgetting the reality that God meets us in this place when we gather together. And we are under the authority of, his God, uh, of God's word, which he says, very much so in the book of Hebrews, that it's living and active. I mean, let, let's put it this way. Do you honestly believe that God's Spirit is present with us in this place right now, at this moment? It very much is. It absolutely is. And that's why we, we, we gather together to experience that as a local body of believers together. And we remember him. We'll observe communion. We'll remember the sacrifice that was paid on our behalf here in just a few minutes. We'll remember the broken and bruised body of our Lord, the blood that was spilled for the remission of our sins. And we'll remember to the degree that we also go out and embody those characteristics that we always carry around with us the death of the Lord Jesus, that his life may be made manifest through us. So what about some, some other one-anothering? Well, we're to love one another deeply and sacrificially. We've mentioned this particular passage of Scripture throughout the duration of this series, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And also, we assemble regularly with one another. 
We do this in big and small ways. I know several of you have been uh, through the new membership class that Lost Mountain offers. We encourage even the members that have been here for a long time to go through that. It will only benefit you and kind of give you more of an idea of where we're coming from. So you're certainly uh, free to register for those. But for those that are newer to Lost Mountain and are interested in going through covenant membership, one of the things that we ask you to do towards the end of our time together in that membership class is to consider what is written on our member covenant and to sign that, that you're in agreement with everything that we are after here as a church. And so one of those is, I will gather when my church does, both big and small. And how do we do that? We do that here. We consider that a big way that we gather. But another way is, take for instance the series, the new message series that's beginning next week. There are home groups available throughout the month of February that will open up and give us a more of an opportunity for deeper discussion for what is being spoken from the platform here. So I'd encourage you to invest yourself, invest your time in some of those home groups that will be taking place throughout the month of February. It's just four weeks. And so also tonight, there's a night of prayer and worship. We're going to pray specifically over the message series that's coming up soon because it's very important. And the church has to give voice to what continues to go on culturally that we're seeing as far as gender confusion and this idea of marriage being something than what God initially created and uh, orchestrated it for. And so the night of prayer and worship will be tonight from five to six. Come and worship through song with us. Pray with us. It's just a few for prayer prompts, but man, the last one, we just sat in clusters and we prayed specifically for things that are going on in the life of our church, for uh, our presence in this community to be made known as, as, as a gospel-centered church where people can come in and explore the truths of God's Word, no matter what is going on in their lives, no matter where they're coming from. Like, we desire that this is a safe place for people to come and explore those things. So we do that on big and on small levels. And we encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day approaching being the day that Jesus himself returns. But then there's also guarding one another. And, and this, is, this is where it gets a little bit tricky, right? Because we're, we're such an individualistic and self-centered culture that this is something that we carry from the outside in. But interestingly, as brothers and sisters in Christ, with the reality that we belong to one another, we possess the right biblically to see inconsistencies in one another's lives and to point those things out in love and affection for that person. But often, those things aren't greeted with a sign of brotherly or sisterly affection. 
If we see an inconsistent uh, pattern or lifestyle in a brother or sister in Christ, a member of this church, it, it makes us feel awkward, right? It makes us feel like, well, who are you to tell me that? Well, actually, the scripture is very clear about us guarding one another. Uh, I, love, I love memes. And I, I know some of us might not understand what a meme is, so I actually Googled a definition of it. And it was kind of interesting to hear the word meme defined, but this is what it says. It's an image, video, piece of text, etc., typically humorous in nature that is copied and spread rapidly by internet users, often with slight variations. I'm all about this. It's like they were thinking about me as they were pinning this definition, because this is something I like to do. I like to you know, scroll through Facebook and look at something funny, especially ones about the church, right? Because they can get pretty ridiculous. And so I just kind of save those to my phone. But I came across this one this week and um, it says, I don't need the church. I study the Bible for myself. Well, that is proof that you don't actually study the Bible for yourself. I mean, just little funny things like that that are just quick little digs, Right? Because we've all heard the personality type that says, I don't really need the church. I can just study the Bible for myself. Well, if you knew anything about studying the Bible for yourself, you would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are necessarily called into community with one another. And this stuff plays itself out in the context of face-to-face relationships. That's just how it works. That's how God orchestrated it. And we have to get to a place where we're, we're just more comfortable with guarding one another, with brotherly and sisterly and Christ-like affection with one another, because we are members of this local church, and we are members of Christ, Christ's capital C church. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That phrase stuck out to me so much because you and I are capable of being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Are we not? And some of you might even be recalling things in your mind where you can specifically recall instances where you were hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And maybe it took a fellow brother or sister coming to you and saying, what you're doing is inconsistent with your identity in Christ. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should receive that. If people are are pointing out inconsistencies in our lives. That's okay. That's part of loving one another in this deep community that we're a part of. So there's significant commitment, and finally, there's formalized commitment. And this is interesting because uh, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. 
But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. And so what Paul is actually communicating here is necessarily that those are, there are people that are both inside and outside of the church. And he's essentially communicating to the church in Corinth itself. He's like, what business do I have with those that are outside of the church? And so the word church in the New Testament usually refers to a local community of believers implying the ability to distinguish those who were and were not part of that community. And one of the ways that we seek to do that, as I mentioned before, when people make their way through the membership class here, we want to see that they're on board with everything that is recorded in our membership covenant. And so we have, I will protect the unity of my church. I will gather when my church does, both big and small, as I mentioned before. I will give to support the ministry of my church. I will serve to empower the ministry of my church. And I will actively seek to reach those around me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has supporting passages of Scripture for each one of those points. But this is what we're agreeing to when we covenant with this particular community at Lost Mountain because we want to be about those things because we believe that they're biblical. And we believe that God can work and use those things for us to make a difference in this community and be a compelling community where others look in and see, like, why? What, what is so different about this group of people? They love one another with a love and compassion that I have not seen even in my family relationships. I, I want to be marked by that type of community because it's the easiest way for people to see the hope that is within us. And so, to give you a couple of examples. So beginning next week, we have the Glorious Design series on gender, marriage, and human sexuality. And, and as I said before, we believe that this is such an important topic right now, and the church has to have a voice for how to respond and how to engage, because it's just becoming more and more autonomous. It's more and more self-governing individuals with, hey, you can't tell me who I can be, because it's what makes me happy, it's what I want for my life specifically. And what we want to do is we want to be able to communicate to these difficult conversations that we have with people that know you, you're actually created in the image of the creator and the sustainer of all things. And he's got a particular plan for you and he's set up his created order in such a way to where you are the only one that can benefit from that through having a dynamic and personal relationship with his son. And so 
we want to encourage everybody to invite friends, family, coworkers. But thousands and thousands of these mailers have already hit mailboxes this week. And one of the things, one of the ways that we demonstrate ourselves as being a formally committed person to a particular church. It's like I said, I will actively seek to reach those around me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this week, we have newer members named Jeannie and Dan Heaton. And when she received this in her mailbox, she turned it to the back and instantly saw her son. And she was so excited about that that she snapped a picture of it and she posted it on Facebook saying, hey, guys, you're going to see Reed in your mailbox soon. Also, come to church. Come be with us. A new series starts. That is actively seeking to reach those around Jeannie and Dan Heaton with the gospel of Jesus. And it's small. It took a few minutes for her to do that. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if a few of her friends ended up coming and saying, you know, that that actually sounded interesting. I want to be a part of that. I want to be educated about some of these things that that I just can't really wrap my mind around culturally right now. I think of, um, I don't think she's in here this morning. I think of Bethany Jernigan too. Bethany, uh, her and her husband Derek, they're newer members at Lost Mountain as well. And, and she serves in LM Kids. And one of the things that she does most weeks, I don't know if she does it all, all the time or not. Sometimes she might want to pull her hair out or something. But when she's finished with her class for the day, she'll take the kid's face in her hands and she'll say, hey, I love you and I'll see you next week. She's actively seeking to reach those around her with the gospel of Jesus. And she's also serving to empower the ministry of this church because she's she's going to come across multiple opportunities throughout the times that she volunteers in LM Kids to tell children that she loves them in the name of Jesus, and that could very well be the only time they've heard it all week long. And as they grow, there's a very strong reality that they'll remember Miss Bethany from church. However many years ago it was, she would tell me that she loved me, And I felt like that was a safe place. I felt like that was a good community for me to be a part of. And God could use that in the life of a child years down the road to draw them back to himself. This is the way that we accomplish this. This is the way that we are a part of a deep community. Jonathan Lehman, in his book, Church Membership, says, no one gets saved and then wanders around by him or herself thinking about whether to join a church. People repent and are then baptized into the fellowship of the church. Church membership is a formal relationship between a church and a Christian characterized by the church's affirmation and oversight of a Christian's discipleship and the Christian's submission to living out his or her discipleship in the care of the church. We submit ourselves to the local church that we are a part of. 
and we serve and we grow and we develop in Jesus. And I love this quote by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop as well. He says, all Christians are to be meaningfully and self-consciously committed to a particular body of believers acting as providers rather than consumers. What Jeannie and Bethany were doing, they were providing. They weren't seeking to be consumers as to what they could get out of this place on a Sunday morning. And this behavior doesn't exist to indicate that they are mature Christians, but that they are Christians. And finally, I close with this. Jonathan Lehman, in that same book, Church Membership, the local church enables the world to look upon the canvas of God's people and see an authentic painting of Christ's love and holiness not a forgery. And the local church lays down a pathway with guardrails and resting stations for the long journey of the Christian life. You see what this means? God has called us to be a part of a deep community. God has called us to position ourselves under the authority of a local church because that's the way he's instituted things. He knows that we need each other. And I know we keep beating this drum, but if we, if we learned anything from the pandemic, it's that we need face-to-face physical interactions with people. And we need each other. So as, as we move into this new and controversial series, number one, I'm going to ask you, hey, join us again tonight. Come and pray and sing with us as we anticipate what God is going to do in this church. Pray for Matt as he prepares for this. This is not easy content to engage with. And we're obviously going to be very careful and very strategic about its presentation, but at the same time, it's difficult. Because if you haven't noticed, Christianity is not very popular right now. But there is a promise that awaits for those that have committed their lives wholeheartedly to the authority of Jesus. And we allow him day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year to transform us. And one of the ways that he does that is through being involved in deep community with one another. Where your stuff is my stuff and my stuff is your stuff. We bear one another's burdens. We call each other out. We encourage one another. And we eventually get to the place where it's just comfortable. Like, I need to receive rebuke sometimes for dumb things that I do. And so do you. And that's okay. So let's let's commit ourselves to being this type of compelling community that we've systematically walked through these past four weeks. A gospel-revealing community. 
a biblical community, a broad community, and a deep community, all for the glory of our Savior. Because when he returns, everything about what we've had to endure is going to be dim, as the song says, in the light of his glory and grace. I'm looking forward to that. And in the meantime, while he tarries, I need you. And you need me. And so let's be about that type of community together. Let's pray. For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us at lmbc.us. Thank you for tuning in today.